Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things EdTech coaching. In this episode, I take some time to discuss the question, what is an EdTech coach with a panel of coaches? These individuals come to this conversation with various types of experiences and from some very different locations. Throughout our conversation, we try to define what an EdTech coach is while also discussing some of the misconceptions about the role. Well, welcome, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. And um, let's just kind of go around the panel and uh, introduce yourself and give us a little bit of um, information about your background with EdTech coaching. Thanks. So my name is Jeff Mao, and currently I'm the executive director for VitaLearn, which is the state of Vermont's ISTE affiliate. Uh, but my background, I guess, in the, all of the space goes all the way back to the early 90s when I first started teaching. So my very first school, straight out of college, decided to launch a one-to-one laptop program in the fall of 1993. Uh, so I got pretty quickly flung into the EdTech space. And of course, for whatever reason, I guess, because I knew how to print to a printer that was in a room other than where I was sitting, I became the tech guy. Um, and, but we were very early in the space of trying to even figure out how we used technology as a learning tool. So I don't even think we had terms like ed tech coach at the time. Uh, but anyway, I was, so I was a classroom teacher for, for a number of years and then knowing a little bit about tech eventually became a tech coordinator in a building and then a district uh, and eventually uh, went chasing after the Maine Learning Technology Initiative program in the state of Maine when they started issuing laptops to all the kids. And so when that program was launched, I became an IT director in a district in the state and within two years was the state ed tech director and so ran that program for about a decade. Um, and so I've worked with folks in the role and, and in fact in the in the 10 years I was at the department I think we saw schools in the state of Maine move from having no tech staff to having to at least assign somebody to be the technical person to evolving roles that we now I think think of as ed tech coaches and, and such. Um, and so I've kind of seen the system from up and down classroom teacher to school administrator to state bureaucrat to now working at, at one of the ISTE affiliates and helping lead that charge, uh, you know, spent time with Common Sense Media working with them and working with, uh, you know, tech coaches, ed tech coaches all over the country. So that's, that's kind of my background. Yeah, so, uh, well, I am uh, Adam Waters. I'm an ed tech integration coach for Cutler Rossi Joint Unified School District out here in rural central California. This is now my coming to the end of my 16th year in education, all in this district. In the first uh, nine years, I was a U.S. and world history teacher for middle school and high school. And in the last, uh, going on seven years now, I've been uh, in this role as an ed tech integration coach. How did I get, how did I get this job? Well, I happened to be in a, uh, out here in California, I don't know what it is in other states, but we have this new law called LCAP, which is local, local, more local control over your funding and what to do with it. So we were in this first LCAP meeting and I happened to be in a breakout group with, uh, with our assistant superintendent. And then she just loved my ideas of, of how we could use the money. And I, and I was just, I was a full-time classroom teacher and all of a sudden an, a tech coach job opens up. It's a brand new thing. They just bought Chromebooks just because they were starting online testing. That's why they bought the Chromebooks. So then they decided to jump on this. They heard this new thing about ed tech coaching. So they said, let's hire one. And they heard about that. I was pretty creative and innovative with the limited tech that I had. So they uh, offered me the, the position and I ran with it. And um, 
first thing they said to do, all right, we're, we're, we're going Google. So you need to go learn everything you can learn about Google and bring it back and train us. So I jumped on that bandwagon and I've got every virtually almost every Google certification that you can get uh, from level one, level two trainer, now innovator. And um, it's uh, taken me around the world to connect with you guys right here. If it wasn't for, for making that decision to dive into Google head first, I wouldn't be here with you guys right now. Um, my wife and I, Catherine, wouldn't be married. We wouldn't have written the book had we uh, had I not done that. So, you know, all that it's it, being an ed tech coach has, you know, been one of probably the most life giving experiences of my life and just continue to, to grow w w with this job and it evolves daily. So just uh, enjoying the ride. And uh, I'm Catherine, uh, Adam's wife and uh, an ed tech coach as well. Um, I began um, in education as a music teacher and then I moved into uh, the public sphere um, and taught elementary. Um, and when I was teaching sixth grade, I uh, I applied for a pilot program to uh, to have one-to-one -one iPads. This was way back in like 2014. Um, that was brand new for our district. And I applied, um, actually I applied for one-to-one -one for uh, three classes at our site, which I learned from my principal was like 10% of all the iPads they were gonna be giving away. And I said, I don't care. I believe this is the way it needs to be. And I wrote it up anyway. And fortunately he signed it. Um, so they ended up expanding the whole program. Um, but I, so I learned just as a classroom teacher, um, the power half the year was with no technology except lap, a laptop that I brought from home and let my kids, begged IT to put on the network and let my kids um, uh, kind of, kind of uh, uh, be on and do some things with. And then the other half of the year, same kids, same class, with those one-to-one -one iPads and it was um, a game changer for my teaching, for their learning. Um, and so I just became really passionate about wanting to expand that. So uh, I became a coach just at a single school site, uh, coach of all things, so to speak, um, but certainly had that ed tech uh, lens the whole time, just cause that's what I was passionate about. Uh, did that for a couple of years and then moved to um, our county office. So I'm an ed tech coach at a county office. Uh, technically, um, I'm an ed tech consultant, but um, I work with um, the schools in our county, largely those that are um, real small and don't have the money to have an ed tech coach like, uh, uh, like many districts have the opportunity to do. So I work with them a few days per year um, so that they at least have some sort of support. Um, and uh, yeah, love what I do. Uh, like Adam, uh, I'd say probably 98% of the districts in our county are Google, so um, our, our uh, Google workspace. So went through all the certifications as well, trainer, innovator, all that stuff. And, and now I'm working to train more. So uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having us here on the podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Katz. My current position is elementary school technology coordinator at the International School of Kuala Lumpur. Uh, this is my sixth year in this school. And um, I'm actually uh, by trade a social studies teacher, middle school social studies teacher. And I started in LA County in California and taught 12 years there before moving internationally. And and since then, I've taught in Costa Rica, Korea, and, and here in, in Malaysia. Um, my 
first coaching uh, position was was in 2001 in, in California, and there was a district position open that was it was a district program, but uh, a site position. So I applied for that and, and, and got that. And we were doing some great, some great stuff with um, educational technology and literacy and, and something we call global studies, which is a whole nother podcast. But um, and over in the schools that I've been at since then, I've had a variety of teaching and coaching positions, uh, and they're always called different things. Um, I've also been a tech director, and I've helped uh, implement one to one to one programs in two of the schools that I'm in that I've been in, and helped to strengthen those programs basically in every school that I've been in uh, since then. And, and really, a lot of it has involved uh, professional development, where I, I think probably all of us here have been heavily involved in pre- professional development, even though you may not have mentioned it, but that's just kind of goes goes with the, the territory of being a coach. Um, I also, I'm an uh, ISTE cap trainer. So uh, Jeff, when you were talking about ISTE, it was, uh, that, that uh, rang a bell for me. And I've also taught at three different universities, um, master's programs. Generally, it's the, the, tech, the tech course for leadership masters or teaching masters or whatever, whatever it is. So that's something I've been doing uh, since 2001 as well. And, um, and I, right now, you know, my, I just try and hustle and help as many teachers as I can and, and try and bring some innovative lessons into the classroom and, and hopefully give the kids a, the best learning experience that they can possibly have. I think my favorite part about this group is we've got, and I apologize for the old dog that will not be quiet if I'm not holding her. Um, but I think my favorite part about this group of people that we've pulled together here is um, that there is the perspective of not just the ed tech coach from the school level, but we've also got some district perspective, which I have found because I was an ed tech coach and then I moved to tech director. And I have found that that's a very different perspective and i i mean i don't know if you guys agree with me or not but in how the role is set up and what you're what you're trying to when you're trying to answer the question that we're going to try to answer tonight i think it's two different things is what is the ed tech coach so um with that being said let's roll straight into that and talk about what is an ed tech coach and how do you answer that whenever somebody asks you that question? So, and I'm just, I'm not going to roll call on this one. You guys just jump right in. I get, you know, so I'll, I'll jump in. I guess when, when someone says like, what's an ed tech coach? Because oftentimes it comes up just when someone you don't know says, what do you do? <clears throat> right. And you say, oh, I work in ed tech. And then, you, you know, you, you're trying to explain all that. And in general for an ed tech coach, to me, it's, you know, the, the role is probably always, the same regardless of the level, meaning there are ed tech coaches at a school, there are ed tech coaches at district levels. You know, as you said, we've got kind of lots of different perspectives. I, I ran a state program and so I had a, a crew of people who worked for me, I think one of the most talented bunches out there who were my ed tech coaches who worked across the state. Uh, you know, they worked for me at the State Department of Ed and then provided services to schools, both to their ed tech coaches as well as to directly to their teachers. Um, but it ultimately comes down to trying to support teachers in helping them 
leverage technology to both uh, improve their instructional practices, but also to help the teachers learn how to help them help their kids use the technology to help their learning. Um, you know, because fundamentally the, the holy grail from my perspective has always been, how can we improve the learning process and, and, and leverage technology to its fullest to enhance whatever that process is, right? So can we do things that we couldn't have done before or can we do the things that we're doing but do them so much better because technology's there? Um, you know, and so part of that improvement of the learning process may be something that it gets tweaked and done in the instructional aspect, but it might be in the construction of a learning object as the student is building something, whether it's building, meaning just simply writing a paper or building something because they're creating some cool digital product, whatever it is, but they've got this construction tool now that can do things that, you know, many of us couldn't do years and years ago. Uh, so that's the, the ed tech coach to me is, is working in and around that big goal and just kind of depends on who you're working with as to what the content of the day is. Um, but it, that's kind of, to me, that's, that's what the goal line always is. And so I always try and keep people aligned on that as, you know, as you're kind of thinking, you know, you always get pushed left and right over, you know, and bumping over things, but um, that's kind of the, the guidepost. Yeah, I'm glad you, I uh, like what you said there about how it, uh, it's a process, the whole, the learning is a process. And I think a lot of people think that it's the, it's the, um, that the, it, it's not a destination. It's all about the, the, the journey. It's the process. And I think as a role as an ed tech coach is kind of been in this, in this game now for going on seven years, um, a buzzword that I've been hearing a lot from me, from my admin the last couple of years. And I kind of have taken it on as my new mantle. I call myself a professional thought partner. Um, cause, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working with, I'm working with teachers and students alike, and we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And, you know, for, for, I'm not going to, in our book that, that we wrote, the complete ed tech coach, we don't talk about, we always kind of shy away from um, from doing, you know, those after school PDs, you know, sit and get very traditional, they're not going to learn anything, you know, unless they're really motivated to, you're not going to learn anything really valuable that they can go and implement. But in the way we like to coach our organic approach, we, um, we're, it, it's very personalized it's one on one. And we're, 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 we have to see what they're doing in the classroom first. And we leave feedback and then we, we follow up. And it's in those conversations where they're bouncing ideas off of us back and forth. And that's where the whole thought partner problem uh, uh, position comes in. And by doing that, you know, we're able to, to really, like we say, organically uh, meet the needs uh, of, of that teacher based on their current context um, and, and what their pain points are. Instead of coming with a, you know, as the expert with the one size fits all strategy and again, right there, that, that fits into what you say. It's a process, and there, there's no, it's a, it's just going through those, through those, the, the, those failures uh, of bouncing ideas, and that's where the, the real uh, authentic learning comes in. Yeah, I, I agree that um, I agree with everything that's been said. Uh, definitely, when we think of being a coach, we think of what we don't like to do is be a PD delivery system, right? Like we're more than that. We are really about, I want to empower teachers. Um, and, and to do that, I feel like it's much better for me to feel like I am a coach and I'm on your side and I am encouraging you and rather than I'm just giving you a whole bunch of ideas and giving you a whole bunch of PD. And so um, 
when you are working with a large district um, and you have a lot of teachers, um, the coach role can still be coaching the coaches, for example, coaching those that are, you know, coaching those teachers to kind of uh, learn how to, that's something I'm doing um, next year is the plan is to coach some teacher leaders um, to then coach their teams through the process of lesson design that will um, purposefully integrate technology um, leading with learning. So um, definitely, I think a coach is a cheerleader, a coach is on your side, a coach is there to help you be your best and not to say everybody must play this way. Everybody, every classroom must look like this. Um, so definitely uh, agree with everything that was said. I would say I agree with everything that was said too. And, and just to add on to that, I mean, I think the basis is we're trying to improve teaching and learning and that's fundamental um, for whatever we're doing as a coach. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we, we, we work on skills, we work on tools, we work on mindset. That's, that's all really important in, in these relationships that we build with our teachers I'm kind of a one-to-one, it's me and the teacher, you know, where you guys have uh, larger district situations, but for me, it's, it's, it's me and the classroom teacher. And I think that as a coach, uh, what's important is, I mean, we need to have a reason to coach. There needs to be um, something that needs to be improved or something that there's a desire to improve something. Uh, there's a current reality that the teacher would like to change or the school would like to have changed. And I, and I think we can go in and, and help set some goals and develop some strategies to meet those goals and then and then support the person who we're coaching in order to attain those goals and and uh like i think adam said you know empower those teachers to be able to go ahead and go on uh in the future without us and and continue on that journey so um just like we would do with our students you know we 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 teach them algebra so they can go on to algebra two right and uh we don't need to be with them again for for that next level of course I, I, I also want to say that I, I think that um, co-planning is, is really super important in the coaching process. And, and I think a lot of times, uh, and I, I've seen this especially uh, as we have teachers go in and out through international schools, there's a higher turnover than say my school in California that I taught at. Um, there's a lot of times that they think the coach is just going to come in and do a lesson, you know, like, can you come in and do something cool? you know, like, or, or we're, we're doing maps. Can you come do a cool mapping lesson, you know? And, and, and some of the teachers really want to learn from that. And other teachers want to go have coffee. Um, fortunately, most is the, the first case that they do want to learn from you, but I, but I don't really, I don't really consider that coaching, you know, that's more of a push in, uh, you know, computer teacher or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and so, I think that's I think that's an important distinction is that it's really a partnership, and in order to have that partnership with the teachers, you have to build trust and build those relationships. Um, otherwise, they're not going to let you into their classroom uh, unless they're mandated, and that's not really um, an ideal situation. But I also want to say I think that like a lot of times we they the teachers look at us in more of a consultant role, like how can I do this as opposed to um, they want to sit down and actually work on something together and, and work towards a goal. It's more like, hey, I heard this. there's this really cool app called X and, and um, can you show me how to use that and do it in my classroom, you know, as opposed to looking at the learning goals 
and then working backwards from there. And so I think uh, that's that's something that's important to to distinguish and and we don't want to fall into that. I think it's important not to fall into that role as like um, impl implementation support as a coach. You know, we don't want to be the guy that goes in and teaches everybody how to use iMovie or um, things like that. The tools we we want to be someone who's helping to build capacity with the people who we're working with. So that brings me to to kind of wondering as we start to as we're talking about what an ed tech coach is. What are some of the activities or how would you describe the actions that the ed tech coach would do? Because I, I heard little bits and pieces. I heard planning. I, ho I heard building relationships. I heard. So I guess my question is, if you were talking to a principal or if you were talking to a superintendent or somebody who was thinking about implementing this role, because I mean, let's face it, with everything that happened with COVID, I hope. It is my sincerest hope that more and more schools are going to really start pushing for this role, realizing, because we had one ed tech coach in every single one of our schools. And I can't tell you how valuable that was to our teachers as they transitioned. And then I'm watching other schools that didn't have that. And you can, you could kind of see where they were reaching, these teachers were reaching out and trying to figure this out, but they didn't have that coach with them to support them. And I will say that the ed tech coaching community did a beautiful job of pushing out as much as they could to reach people outside of their regular circle. Um, you know, they were pushing stuff out on Twitter, out on YouTube, um, Facebook groups, all of that. And that it was wonderful. Um, but then of course those relationships weren't built. Were they, were they getting the just in time PD they actually needed, or were they just pulling in and looking at, which tool will help me survive this pandemic and everything. So I guess bringing it back to my question is what are the actions that an ed tech coach would be doing inside of their schools? If you were trying to describe it to somebody. When I uh, speak with an administrator that hasn't worked with me yet, I try to, uh, I use the word job embedded coaching. Uh, this is something where I want to be, I am most effective um, according to teachers as well, if I'm in the classroom with the teachers. Um, it, certainly, you know, if there's any basic skills that teachers need to have at the very beginning, if they're on a pretty basic level, that's one thing for some, some initial training. But being, uh, Adam and I like to say in, in, the, in our book, um, we want to be in the habitat. We want to see what teachers are doing. That not only helps build relationships, but it helps us to um, to, to, to then be able to work with that teacher on that collaborative, um, that collaborative environment. So rather than saying, I think for your school, everybody should use Flipgrid and you should all be recording your, you know, everyone needs to do that. If I'm a teacher and I hear that, I hear, oh, it's just another initiative. But if somebody's been in my classroom and they say, you know, I saw that your kids were doing a great job with Think Pair Share, but you know, when I was a teacher, it was hard for me to hear all of the conversations. Um, do you struggle with that too? Oh yeah, I do. Perfect. Okay. Let's talk about Flipgrid. So, so you have an in, if you actually have been in the teacher's classroom, I know when I was a teacher, if I had a, an administrator evaluate me and I felt like they were hardly ever in my classroom all year long, I didn't take their words very seriously. Right. So similarly coaches need to be 
on the ground, in the classrooms, with the students, with the teachers, so that they are able to make that impact um, in a much greater scale. Yeah, and uh, I think what Stephen said earlier about, he, he alluded to the planning uh, stages, the, mm. the, that's huge right there. Um, as an ed tech coach, um, like, I guess for lack of a better term, it's almost like you're a, you're a filter. Um, I've seen some of my most, my, my biggest uh, coaching wins have been when I've been given uh, the ability to, when I've pushed into PLCs in, in planning time. Because a lot of times teachers will plan out the whole semester and all the stuff that they're, they're great, you know, le learning goals and stuff, but they're, they're not trained like I am to think with an ed tech mind. They, they, so when I've been in there while they're planning, I, I can kind of see what they're planning and then offer suggestions there. So it, it's, it's better because if, if I come check, see their plan afterwards and then offer it, it's like an autopsy, it's too late. They don't want to go back and, ch and change it. But if I'm doing it on the fly, they take more ownership of it. It's not just me throwing in my two cents at the end. And some of my biggest uh, wins, I mean, I think three or four years ago, um, I had, I had kind of introduced Pear Deck and a few people were interested, but once I got into some of those PLCs, all of a sudden the entire staff was clamoring to the admin, hey, we need the premium one. Mm -hmm. And now they, they can't imagine not teaching without it. And, and they, they've been very innovative with it. So it's because I was in the planning stages first instead of waiting till after that I was able to have some, one of my great, some great success. So it's it's interesting to, to listen to you guys because I, I think you know as as you alluded Ashley we we all come at this from different angles and so one of the the things that I have found over the years that <clears throat> sometimes I throw monkey wrenches into things because I've now spent so much time also at the top end of the system so of course sometimes I'm looking at things from about a hundred thousand feet so <laughs> that can sometimes be good and sometimes it can be really bad um, but I I think one of the challenges that I've often seen as schools because as you were saying like you know Adam I think you said you've been doing this now for sixteen years something you know and and I was thinking back you know when you said that I started doing the math and I realized my first one to one school was like twenty eight years ago um, which you know was PowerBook one sixties this was not like hardcore ed tech stuff I mean we we literally were using the software Microsoft Works you know the ultimate in the oxymoron software and um, you know, you had an hour of battery life and it was a very different world. But I was at the beginning of that when it was really a very beginning idea. And then when I joined Maine's program, it was a very beginning idea, this idea that every single middle school kid in the entire state was going to have a laptop and we're going to have Wi-Fi and we're going to have, we're going to have broadband. We put a T1 line in all those buildings. I mean, <laughs> it's a very different world. Um, but what, as we get into these things in particular, I think with COVID, because so many schools went from zero to 60, right? Like they didn't have a one-to-one -one program. They saw this absolute need, kids were now at home. So they went out and they bought a bunch of Chromebooks or whatever device they could get. They pushed them out to the kids. And effectively you now have a one-to-one -one program. And we know for schools that have gone one-to-one, -one, it's usually a multi-year planning process, right? On, on multiple levels, right? Whether it's the financial parts and everything else, but the most critical of course, is that kind of teacher training and planning and how are we gonna leverage this stuff? And it takes years sometimes to really map it out. And these guys, zero to 60, I mean, right away, boom. And then, you know, that on top of all the, just the craziness of this past year and a half. Um, and so there's always still that balancing act in my mind that schools are not, um, they're not funded to the nth degree, right? So funding is always a challenge, which means staffing is a challenge. And I totally agree that as much as you can, you don't want to be the PD delivery mechanism. You don't want to be just giving a lesson. 
but as you point out, Kat, sometimes though, they, you know, people need skills. They just need the basic, how do I actually operate this software or whatever? And as we know from all learners, some folks can't, you sound like Charlie Brown's mother until they learn how to use the tool, even though you're trying to get them to think about why they would use the tool. <laughs> like, why, why do you even want to learn to use Pear Deck, right? Like, if you just come at me saying, I need to learn Pear Deck, and you can't even tell me why, then I'm really kind of going to resist you a little bit. I'm going to keep pushing you like, well, wh why do we want to do this, right? Uh, but for some folks, until they've gotten through that initial piece, they, they just can't seem to have that conversation, even though they know something's floating around in the back of their head. And so that's that challenging balancing act, I think, for coaches is how do you balance your time between delivering some of that training, if you will, while also trying to be the coach, because it's easy to get sucked into too much of your time on the training. And then what gets worse is that the thing I think that you didn't mention that you probably try and avoid the most. And this is one of those things I would say, this is absolutely on the, I'm not an ed tech coach, or this is not an ed tech coach's job, which is tech support, right? The worst thing in the world, you don't want to be doing tech support, but they know you know how to solve it anyway. So they'll grab you out of the hall. Hey, oh, hey, Adam, get in here. This isn't working. Can you make it work? And you're thinking, this is not my job. And this oh, yeah. is not a good use of our time, right? And that's the easy thing for to get sucked into. And it's really hard, of course, to tell somebody no. No, I'm not going to help you. And we run into that in my district. So I actually, I'm in charge of all of the ed tech coaches in our district. Well, in charge of is a bad. I work with the ed tech coaches in our district. And I, I put it, I put it in my book, um, this 10 minute rule, because mm -hmm. thinking about it also from a tech director's point of view, I don't have enough technicians to physically be there to fix every last minute problem either. So a class is about to start, teacher can't get into their stuff, their device falls off the, you know, whatever it is, it's not plugged in or, you know, um, but I put in that the, there should be a 10 minute rule for an ed tech coach. If you don't know the answer and you can't fix it in 10 minutes to go do all of the coaching, co-teaching, co-planning, all the other things that you need to be doing, then your questions to the teacher go from what's wrong to how can I support you to continue this lesson or to continue on your journey of the day until technical support can come in. Like that's, that's the piece that even I, as a, you know, when I was an ed tech coach, it was really hard to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't change that light bulb, that projector light bulb right the second. <laughs> I know that it puts you in a bad situation, but let me get tech support. I know we won't see them for at least half a day, but I, I'm scheduled to be working with this teacher group. I think that's, that's a really hard balance to have. Yeah, I think it's one of the hardest ones. But you know that problem that you just described, it's actually the same thing for the tech support people. We had to work so hard with tech support folks to convince them that if you can't solve the problem in about five minutes, give the person a different computer and re-image that one. Don't, you know, because they're a consummate, what's, the reason they do that job is because they enjoy problem solving. Mm -hmm. But you can sit there for days trying to figure out what's wrong with the computer where you can just re-image the thing and just move on with your day. And if it's, if the problem can persist after re-imaging or, or whatever, you know, nowadays you don't have to quite do that quite so much with more modern machines, but then you say, Oh, there must be a physical issue. Send it in for a physical repair. You know, like it, it can, it can be that simple, but it doesn't really get you to, it doesn't allow you to, to exercise those problem solving bones either. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's the, the balancing act challenge that I, I have seen 
for EdTech coaches is some of the things you guys have described are absolutely where we know you're most effective, but it's usually like on kind of that hierarchy of need. That's at the, it's not the bottom layer for teachers. Their, their first thing is it's not working, right? The projector, I can't get it on the wall or, or, you know, whatever. Um, And trying to balance that, I think is, is a really interesting challenge. Um, But you know, it's, it it just, that's part of the job, I guess. Right. So Steve, I don't think we've heard from you what this looks like, what, what the ed tech coach role looks like. Sure. I think you asked what, one of the things you asked is what, what do we need? And I think one of the, and, and I'm looking at, I mean, ISKL, the the school I'm at is a, is a top tier international school. It's a private school and not-for-profit school. So we have a, we actually have a very um, wide range of choice for teachers. So we get very high functioning teachers with a great deal of efficacy. We'll, we'll, um, we have, we have about, 400 employees, and we will often get uh, 2,000 applications for 20 positions um, every, on an annual basis. And so we, we really have our pick of the litter. So the, the, the teachers we're getting are already very high functioning, have worked in one-to-one programs and, and all those kind of things. But I think, so that we're starting off, I think, in a much better situation than say where we were at when I was in California or even the, the previous two schools that I've worked at because they were just implementing one-to-one programs. Um, and I, but I think what's really key, especially at a building level, is we need to have the administration support, and it needs to be vocal, not just implied. Uh, it needs to be, you know, hey, we want you to work with your tech coach. We want you to plan. We want your tech coach in your unit planning meetings with you, so that they can, so that they can help support the learning and the teaching. And I think what Adam said is really important. Once they get those units set, you don't want to take it all apart. And, you know, and, and, and add something to it. I mean, it's the work has been done. So, so I think it's really key for us as coaches to be there in the planning stage if a team is doing some planning. And, and I, I work really hard to get in. We call them uh, collab collaboration meetings, and I work really hard to get into those meetings. And, and a lot of times I don't have anything to say, but, uh, you know, but the times I'm always looking for an in, so to speak, as to, you know, how can I help, help them teach this unit? How can I help the students learn it better? And I think that's, I think it's really important to really be there and be visible and, and be actively engaged in those types of activities. I, I, and like thinking about what you guys are talking about, as far as, you know, a lot of the schools don't have one-to-one and things like that. And it makes me think of the school I came from, uh, Korea International School, which was a great school. And it was implementing, it wasn't quite one-to-one all the way K through 12 at that point. And so and a lot of the teachers were coming from schools in the U.S. that had never taught one-to-one. And so we had a different set of circumstances than what I have in ISKL. And, and what we did, we had, a, um, we had a five-person ed tech team for 1,200. Uh, it was a 1,200-student school. And what we ended up doing was we, were, we would run PD sessions. And uh, I know that's a, like that's that's what it is when it's private school. You have a lot more. You have a lot more support. Um, but uh, I literally started doing the division here to figure out how many it was to one. <laughs> yeah, and well, and also, but understand, we're in, they were implementing one to one. You know, it was in the high school, and they were working their way down. So there was a need for more more uh, tech coaches at that point. And what we were doing was we would pick a topic for professional development and we would run it between the five of us. We would run the session 20 times a week 
and we scheduled it so that the teachers could go on their prep time if they wanted to. And they were half hour sessions. They were focused on learning. Um, it wasn't sit and get, I mean, maybe once in a while it was, but uh, you know, the idea was that they could walk away and next period go and implement that in the class. That was our goal. And, you know, a lot, of, we had a, we had a really good participation in the four years that we, we did that. And, but also what that served as, is it served as kind of um, uh, your foot in the door to doing a deeper lesson planning with those teachers who show up, who show up to your uh, professional development sessions. And I looked at it as kind of, you know, like a, a sales job in a sense. Uh, that's our, uh, that's our big um, timeshare presentation. And the people who show up, you follow up with them and see if maybe they want to, you know, they want to sign up for a little something more and, and then you get involved with the planning. And I think it's a really effective way to get your foot in the door and build these partnerships with the teachers. And it worked really well because the, uh, after, after I left, um, there, there was definitely a change in focus at the school. Now they had one-to-one -one from top to bottom. They were focusing more on STEM. They had other priorities. And I would say, you know, we did a good job bringing the level of technology integration up in that school and um, to a point where, you know, you work yourself out of a job in some respects. I mean, they still have tech coaches there, but it's not that same level of intensity of professional development and um, hustle, I guess you would say, that, that we were trying to do to get everybody kind of at a certain level. And so I think there's, you know, at, at my point, here now at ISKL, we have teachers with such high efficacy that I've really ha I really have to up my game to be able to say, well, you can also do this, and maybe you can give the choice the students a choice of doing that, and and I and I'm trying to think of even better ways because they're already doing great stuff in their classes, even even as the at the youngest youngest kids, you know, kindergarten, and um, they're doing some such great such great work that. Uh, it takes a lot of creation, a lot of creativity and a lot of, I, I really have to stay up on my game to be able to serve the teachers that we have at our school. Yeah, I like what you, uh, you guys both kind of alluded to the fact about the importance of uh, admin support. You know, some of my, my biggest, some of my biggest wins came because I had admin support, um, having the admin mandate, because especially when, when you're brand new on the job and staff doesn't really know what, what to make of you you know, you know, you're just some another visitor walking through, and you're still learning the job. You're still reading my book and then Ashley's book. You're gonna read that one too as well, so that, that's gonna help. But um, yeah, but when you have a clear mandate from the from the admin that the admins are, are, are mandated, hey, you know what? This is what our tech coach is gonna be working on, so that they have that expectation. They can't just close the door on you. I, I was I've been lucky that the admin at the schools that I serve uh, have given me master keys, so I, I can walk in whenever I want. But I, I do that when I have that mandate. Like my original mandate was, all right, we're going Google. So you, we need to teach everybody uh, Gmail, Google Drive, and, and everything associated with it. So when they had that mandate, I was able to get things done. When I haven't had a clear mandate, my work has been a lot more difficult. Um, I think it was in 2018, our superintendent made this lofty goal that every teacher will become Google Certified Educator Level 1. So that fell on me. So... I mean, I was up for the challenge, but because I had that mandate from the highest authority in there, you know, the uh, the site admin and then the, uh, the coaches and, and, and the and all the staff 
knew it came from the highest authority. So I had to have that. I had that weight behind it. So when I spoke, they they were more apt to listen and follow through with it because I had that mandate. So cultivating your relationships with your admin is is paramount. It's worth its weight in gold. Um, but you know, once you're once you have that mandate, you know, if we're talking about you know the mechanics of the job, you know, how do you get in classrooms? And we talk about in our book and many of our sessions is, is about how how do you get invited in? You know, sometimes you have to kind of barge your way in a little bit. You're going to get those deer in the headlight looks like, oh, are you here to judge me? No, I'm just, I'm here to learn. I tell them I'm here to learn from you. I, I want to see what your what your kids are doing. And I don't know your subject, but I, I know you do. And I, I want to learn from you. And that kind of lowers their, they put their guard down a little bit and they start getting used to seeing me often. But how do you get back in there? Well, we talk about being, um, being memorable and at the same time being forgetful. I'm purposely forgetful when I'm walking classrooms. I'll purposely leave my sunglasses or a, or a, uh, <clears throat> or my coffee mug. Cause then I have a reason to go back. And sometimes I don't have to go back for it. Cause they'll, they'll, they'll message me. Oh yeah, you left this. Oh, I'm going to go back in there. And that's just another opportunity for me to have that organic conversation with those teachers. But at the same time, when I am invited, when I am co-teaching a lesson with them and working, uh, working with them, you know, those are usually memorable moments for those kids. The kids will see me on campus and I say, hey, are you, are you coming back? Are you going to teach, teach that lesson again or something cool? I go, well, ask your teacher. Because the teachers can tell me no. I can suggest and they can tell me no until they're blue in the face. But when it comes to the kids, it's a lot harder to say no. We, we like to say that um, uh, the, the quickest way to a teacher's heart is through, through their students. So, you know, you start building that buzz. almost like you're, you're the ice cream man. So the ice cream man, you hear that, that tune and it just brings back those memories. And if you can build that buzz about what you're doing, you, you're, you eventually your, your calendar is going to going to, uh, going to fill up pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's it, going back to the admin, um, conversation too. Um, you're saying your calendar is going to fill up quickly, but we really want, we really want that admin support so we can be inclusive coaches. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm very passionate about telling administrators, I want to work with every single teacher on your site as much as possible. I don't want to um, work with just the volunteers, so to speak, um, just those that want me to come in. Um, because a lot of times, many teachers just don't know what to ask. It's not that they don't want the support, but they feel that they don't know what to ask. They don't even know there's so many apps out there. There's this teacher doing that, this teacher, that, I, don't, I don't even know. I'm just not even gonna, they're not gonna volunteer for me to go in there, right? It's, it's pretty rare. So that's why, as Adam said, we walk classrooms, we um, build those relationships. One of my tricks um, is hanging out in the, wherever the teachers hang out, if it's teacher's lounge or, you know, the lunchroom, whatever. And I'll just sit there and, you know, be doing something on my computer or whatever. I listen to the conversations. And as you're listening to conversations, sometimes there's something you can say, oh, you know what? I, there was a teacher that I was just in so-and-so's classroom and they did this to kind of solve that pain point. So I think um, something that you were saying, Steve, was um, it's hard to keep up with those innovative teachers, right? Like, oh man, I gotta up my game. But one of the things that I like to do is think of myself um, also as someone that can, um, that can facilitate collaboration between the teachers themselves. So, cause there a lot of times they come up with great ideas that we never thought of, right? Those, those innovative teachers. So since, I'm able to visit many classrooms and they're not, I can take pictures of what the students are doing. I can say so-and-so is doing this. So I think that's, um, that saved me at the beginning 
when uh, I was a, a, a new ed tech coach and I was like, oh, I'm not quite sure if I have a bunch of great ideas yet, right? <laughs> Try to take what some of the other teachers were doing and share it with, uh, with, with others on campus. That really helped. It's interesting. I think you guys have all kind of alluded to a, a thing that we used to say a lot at, at, uh, at the MLTI program in Maine. You know, we were very fortunate to work with Seymour Papert directly, right? Because he lived in Maine and he was kind of the vision keeper for the program. And he was the one who really was the impetus for it because it was a conversation he had with, with Governor Angus King when, when Angus was our governor that spurred Angus to create the program, you know, create the funding and get the political will to make it happen. And, and what... Um, what Seymour used to say was, you know, there's Monday and there's someday, right? And that's that notion that sometimes, you know, you need to give the teacher something for Monday, which is kind of what you were saying, Steve, something they can just do now. Like they can leave and they can implement and they're going to see some positive value because that's easy to digest. It, it leaves a good positive impact. And then there's the someday, right? And that's the other thing is to be careful that we don't always, because we get excited about it. You know, because we're always looking at the horizon line thinking, oh, someday we'll be able to do this, that, the other thing. And can you imagine when we're able to do this or that or, you know, oh, this new thing just came out. That's going to allow us to do. And you start throwing out these ideas and some teachers will look at you like, oh, I can't do that. Right. And they're just like, that's too much, you know, and, and then it kind of scares them off. And so I think it is important to always kind of keep that Monday, someday that you want to give people some of that horizon line because you want to give them vision. But you, you feed them some the, the Monday. Otherwise, they're going to feel like they can't keep up with you and they're going to get intimidated. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think, Kat, to your kind of this notion of, you know, people not knowing what to say or, or to, to ask. Right. And that's part of that, you know, intimidation factor when you give them too much of the someday. Uh, but another guy that I work with, uh, Jim Moulton, who's one of the, the kind of one of the best ed tech coaches and integrators I know. Um, he wrote a great article years ago, and you can still look it up for, for Edutopia. Uh, and it was about meta-cluelessness, right? And the state of knowing that which you don't know, right? So, and it's, it's a really important thing, I think, for teachers to, what we used to always kind of joke, like, have you achieved meta-cluelessness, right? Meaning, you know, you may not know how to use Pear Deck, but you know it exists. That's all. I don't know much more, but I know it exists. Or I might know a little bit about what it does, but I don't know how to use it. But that's okay. At least from Pear Deck, I have achieved meta-cluelessness as opposed to the teacher who doesn't even realize that that type of technology exists, so they can't even ask the question. Right. So helping, that's, I think that's one of those other things we can do in gentle ways is just to kind of keep throwing those things out. Kind of as you said, Kat, when you're in the faculty room, and you say, hey, you know, I know this guy that does blank. And you're just working to kind of improve people's meta-cluelessness, right? To seed their, their minds with just these interesting ideas that aren't, you know, kind of uh, gonna stress them out. It's not pushing them to do something now, but it'll, you know, teachers hear these things. It joggles around in the back of the brain. And then one day, all of a sudden they, they look at some new thing that they've got to do or whatever. And all of a sudden things make connections and they go, oh, I have an idea. I need to call Kat back because she can, I know she can help me do this, right? I don't know how it's going to work, but I've just, I have this idea, this, you know, this kind of vague thing. And, and that's, you know, that's another big victory, right? It's just feeding people some of that, you know, help them with their meta-cluelessness, give them some Monday so that they know that they can count on you, but feed them someday too, so that they can keep building that vision. Um, because I think people need the vision too, right? And, and I think 
that's also one of those critical things that is tough because it isn't really the job of the ed tech coach to coach their administrators in how to be administrators and provide both the vision, right? Like you said, Adam, superintendent said, this is what I want. Well, it's clear, it's explicit. And whether or not what he wants or she wants is right or wrong doesn't really matter. At least there's clear direction. This is what we're doing um, because you can act upon that, right? And you can, as, you, as you've all kind of alluded, when you're in that role, you can act with now intent and authority in a sense. You're not just like having to barge in. It's like, hey, look, we, we're all on the ship together. And since the ship is headed that way, we, we got to learn how to do that, right? Uh, and so, I, you know, but that that's a tough part. And that's where I think a lot of my job when I was at the state level, that was a lot of my job was working with superintendents and their principals to help them work with the rest of the system to say, okay, how do, do I help you paint that vision? Because of course their jobs are painting the vision not only for their faculty, but for their public. Because in some instances, you'll get parents who say, I, you know, basically like we would here in New England, I walk to school barefoot uphill, both directions in the snow. We don't need those blasted computers. We didn't have them when I was a kid. Why do we have, you know, like, uh, and so you have to kind of also, th their job, of course, is to, to also work with the public and bring them along so that it allows you to do your job, right? So thinking about that administrator piece, um, I want to go back to something that I think Kat said was, um, you know, where the teachers say something like, I don't take ad administration seriously when they're coming into my room twice a year for an observation. They give me a little bit of feedback, but they weren't there for the lesson before. They weren't there for my follow up. They weren't there. So I take it with a grain of salt and move on. Um there, I've seen some ed tech coaches who have had this weird, I've seen some accidentally get put into that administrator column and I've seen administrators use them as like another assistant principal, which is not good in my, my opinion, um, because then the teachers don't see them as a coach and as a support. They see them as another administrator who's coming in and they work on the administrative team. Um, and then I've also seen administrators not support their ed tech coach as much else than, okay, go fix this broken thing. Let's, you know, let's put you on the team for making sure that testing goes off without a hitch testing and ed tech coaches. It's not, <laughs> that's not necessarily what they're there for. So um, there is there's this balance that um, I'd like to have us have a discussion about as to that that role because the third third way that I've seen ed tech coaches seen is like the administrative snitch. I don't want that ed tech coach in my in my room because they're gonna go and they're going to tell my administrator that what I'm doing in my classroom. And I don't, you know, and, and they're there to observe me and, and report back to somebody else. So um, I just want to hear some, some thoughts around that as how, as an ed tech coach, um, you can define yourself as what you need to define yourself as without falling into one of those unintended loopholes or um, unintended um, definitions. And if that question didn't make any sense, it's okay. <laughs> so. 
I, I think, you know, part of what Jeff said is we shouldn't have to give professional development to the administrators, but unfortunately the reality is with some we do and they don't really understand what our role is. And, um, and I'd say that's less and less as time goes on, you know, uh, um, 10 years ago, I felt like that's what I, that was my biggest goal was to, to get my administrators clued into what was going on, you know, and, and, but now it's not so much. Um, but I, but I think, I think that it's really important. Well, in my position, so I, I'm in a private school, I have a two-year contract, there's no union. Um, there are certain goals that need to be, need to be met for the school. And so, although I have a clear job description, there is some bit of negotiation as to what I will do. And I think there's always that, um, I think regardless of your situation, there's going to be a bit of a negotiation and, and it's hard to create a hard line like, nope, I'm not going to help with map testing. That's not a coaching position when, when they need someone to do it. Uh, you know, but you, you know, I think then sometimes you can say, well, you know, Hey, I'm helping with map testing and you're asking me also to do this. I'm not having time for my principal duties, which is to be in the classroom. And so I think that we, we have to be flexible because the school has a lot of needs and not enough resources, any school. Um, and, and so I think, I think that's, that's something that's really important, but I think being consistent about what you do and being able to demonstrate results is also really important to make your case. If, if they see you, they don't see you in class or they're not seeing any products or what's happening in the classroom, then why don't you have time for this or for that or for the other thing? And, and, and I, and I think just one other comment about something you said is that if there's not trust between you and the teacher, you're not going to be in that teacher's class. And so if you go and snitch, that was the word you used, um, you know, to the principal that, you know, this teacher did this and this teacher did that, I, the word's going to get around really quickly. And I think it's really important to um, publicly only share the positive of what goes on in the different classrooms. And and if there's an issue that, you know, where you feel like there is potentially a legal issue or a child endangerment, I mean, obviously you have to say something about that, but, but, you know, I didn't like the way that the teacher set up their classroom or disciplined this kid or, or things like that. I, I think that's, that's the teacher's decision and that's how they run their class. I want to be super clear. I've never seen an, an, an ed tech coach like go back and say something that they shouldn't have. I think I was trying to to get across just the idea that, especially when you're a first time ed tech coach, there's that feeling out of trying to figure out, is this person trustworthy? And I think that trustworthiness is probably the most important piece of the role. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, for I, all my ed tech coach friends, I've never seen it. Anybody. Yeah, actually no, no, <laughs> me either. And, and, you know, and I think like, going back to what Kat was saying earlier about, about the, reaching the reluctant teachers and things like that, I, I think it kind of plays in with the same thing. And you have to use some of those strategies of being visible. We, we used to call it, we call it drive-bys. You know, you walk the halls and maybe ask people how their weekend was, but don't bring up anything tech unless they do. And um, things like that. Share, share the great stuff that is done in other classes. Hey, did you see what Miss Jen's kids did with the podcast? You know, you want to try that maybe in the future, um, you know, those kind of things. And, and 
Um, one, one of the strategies that actually we, we worked really well when I was in Korea was we used to, every once in a while, we would serve breakfast for anybody who wanted it. And we would cook up breakfast burritos in our office because we had like a full-size classroom office. And we would bring in our camping stoves, make breakfast burritos and show up. We had music playing. We had couches um, come in for some breakfast. And, and that would definitely get people into the office that wouldn't normally take the time to stop by, you know. Um, so I think there's a, it's a whole mixed bag. But I think building that relationship and having the trust with the teachers is, is key. If you don't have that, you're not going to be in the classroom. Yeah, I, I, I think if you're new to the job, because that's always the hardest time when you're new to something. Part of, of, I guess, as you get into it is to, you also kind of need to feel out just in the, like the interviewing process and whatnot, where you sit in the system and who, who do you really report to, right? You know, obviously it's very different from school to school, district to district, you know, like Steve in a private school, and because I've done this in a private school too, I've worked in a number of independent schools where I was pretty much the system. I was it, you know? And maybe I had one other person who I was working with, but the two of us were kind of parallel to each other. And then we both ostensibly just reported straight to the headmaster because the school just didn't have enough infrastructure as far as administration to have us go anywhere else. But in a larger district, in a public school system, you usually have some sort of hierarchy of stuff. And the question then becomes, for example, one of the simple ones is, do the ed tech coaches report up to the IT director who's worried about the network? Or is there someone, who, is it more like up to the chief academic officer? or something in that kind of academia space versus the IT space, because that can sometimes really flavor like some of the issues we talked about before, which is how do you balance your time between tech support and ed tech coaching? And, you know, if you're reporting up to the IT director who's running the networks, that person's thought process doesn't, it's not always true, but may be a little bit more leaning toward the techie stuff. I was just about to argue with you because... <laughs> But it, it just kind of, you know, it depends. Every individual is yeah. different. Right? Yeah, because um, I'm actually the tech director who's in charge of both the network. And then I'm also instructional tech, but we're at kind of a smaller district too. Right. And, and um, you know, and, and it, it, it is very personal. I mean, you know, like there are a lot of us, I was an IT director, but I was a teacher first. Yeah. I know other IT directors who came straight out of the military and were hardcore data security, cybersecurity, you know, locked the system down because of course that's how they were trained. Mm -hmm. I don't blame them for that. I mean, they're not wrong. It's just that sometimes you know, strong passwords in kindergartners just don't get along. <laughs> so, um, so I, I think some of that is also there, you know, when we say like, it's hard to, to try and kind of coach your administrator. Sometimes you also have to look to who is my direct supervisor, so to speak, and can they lend a hand in this kind of establishment of my positioning within the system? But I think you're absolutely right. You, you do have to try and find that trust factor. Um, you know, one of the things I think I used to do a lot when I was meeting with teachers for the first time was to just, you know, as, as I think you said, Adam, is part of it is just, hey, I'm here to learn. I want to know what, you know, what you do. And, you know, I'm interested in make sure they know I was a classroom teacher, too. Right. Because if, if they don't, you know, teachers, if they don't think you've ever been in a classroom, you've lost all credibility right away. Um, and so I, I don't always tell them the last time I was a classroom teacher was last century. But I say, yeah, yeah, I started in the classroom. Um, but then, you know, oftentimes when, because you can see it in some people's eyes that are thinking, oh, this guy's here to tell me how I have to like do everything with technology. And I'll, I'll say, you know, what is the one lesson that you retool every year? You know, and I'll tell them for me, because I was a middle school math teacher, it was fractions. I never taught fractions the same way ever for every year that I was the classroom teacher. I did it differently every single year because every single year at the end of that session, 
or section, 100% of my kids did not understand fractions. So I was always seeking a new way, right? And say, maybe that's a lesson we can look at. Let's plan that one. Uh, you know, because what's, what's the danger? You were going to retool it anyway, right? <laughs> you, were, you weren't satisfied anyway. Maybe there's something we can do here. Um, you know, it's, it's a little less threatening than, you know, what's the one lesson that kids who come back to you after they've graduated, gone to college, got their PhDs and come back and say, hey, remember we used to do that such and such project? Without, don't touch that one, right? And sometimes I think that you have to be explicit with them to say, that's not my intent. I'm not here to, to say that every single thing you do is supposed to be about technology. I'm here to try and improve, as you said, right, Steve, we're here to prove, uh, improve teaching and learning. Some things are already perfect or as near as we need them to be. Don't touch, right? Winning strategy, that's that old saying, right? We never change a winning strategy. But there's other things, yeah, it could use some improvement. And I think every teacher knows the things or two or three or four things that they want to do better with, you know, and, and you just you have to you have to go there uh, as opposed to coming in with a curriculum. All right, I'm here to teach you how to teach kids to write better. And it's like, well, you just walked into the classroom with a teacher who is known statewide as the greatest writing teacher to walk the earth. It probably wasn't the right thing to say, you know, so. Yeah, certainly back to the whole idea of the snitch. We have some great stories about that. Uh, but because actually you asked about, you know, if you're if you're if you're a newcomer to the ed tech coaching game, my first semester on the job, um, we had just gotten our, our middle school had just gotten um, their first batch of Chromebook carts. And <clears throat> so we were, uh, you know, slowly um, barely getting everyone started with using them. It's, a lot of teachers were still kind of afraid of it. And we had, we had a checkout system, which we, which it was in the library somewhere and teachers can volunteer to check them out. And so that was, I knew it was going to be like pulling teeth to get people to try out this new toy that they were all afraid of. And, you know, I, I was more focused at that time on my job at, on the teachers and just building the, their skills before I can get them to, ever to be comfortable enough to use the carts. So we had a district walkthrough. So the, the district admin did, did an instructional rounds walkthrough. And, you know, the superintendent, the one who years later mandated me to get everyone Google certified, saw, because they, they called the, uh, the carts the uh, Chrome, uh, computers on wheels, the cows. So she, she, she remarked, why are the cows out to pasture? They're sitting there in this office collecting dust. And she laid into that the site, the, 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 the site principal that day, and during, during our debrief session, I was there to witness it. And the, the site principal was just during the head like, like, oh man, my boss is, is ripping me a new one. We're not, they spent all this money on it. It's not getting used. And, you know, so, you know, and she's looking at me while she's chewing out the, t the, the principal. So I'm like, oh, crap, this is going to fall. This also has to do with me a little bit. And I'm brand new on this. So, you know, I'm a little nervous. So I, I have no, no ill will toward the uh, site principal, but it was because it was a knee-jerk reaction that I think anybody would have. And this is a slippery slope to get caught into being what we call in our book. You don't want to wear that sheriff's hat. Because once you went as a tech coach, if you're wearing the sheriff's hat, you're seen as the sheriff. Again, you, you lose all credibility. They, you, you're seen as a snitch. And this, the principal in a knee-jerk reaction said, all right, here we go. The superintendent left. All right, here's the plan. All right, uh, Adam, you're going to report to me on everybody who's, who's using or not using these Chromebook cards. And I'm sitting there trying to process. And you know what? Thank the Lord. I, I had the, the, clear, the clarity of mind at the moment to stop her and try. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
I, I actually said, I ain't no snitch. I'm not going to do that for you. I'm not going to rat on these teachers because I won't be able to coach. I go, I'm, I'm new here, but the, that, that's not going to work. Right? So what I did say, and I, 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 somehow I had the clarity of mind to, to come up with this. I go, listen, I'm going to give you, the admin, a menu of what I've trained teachers on, and I'm gonna, I want you to go look for evidence. That's your job to, to be the sheriff, to be the hammer that comes down if they're not doing, doing what's being mandated, not mine. I, I am on a teacher's salary. I'm, I'm <laughs> parallel to them. I'm not, I'm not going to be your, your, uh, I'm not going to be your left hand <laughs> to make a biblical reference there, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that it, but it's an easy trap to fall into because if you're brand new, you just want to do what, what you're told. And, you know, luckily I was able to, to kind of catch it right then and there. If I'd have caught it later, it would have been too late. Yeah, and it's definitely something you want to address early on when you first, if you're a new ed tech coach, talking with the admin and finding out, uh, like defining that role kind of together. But the, the way I like to do this, because I work with a lot of different administrators because I'm at a lot of different sites, is asking them a lot of questions to find out what is their goal and then making sure that I align my philosophy and my beliefs about coaching to that goal. Uh, so if it's, well, we want to, you know, a lot of times, which I don't love, but a lot of times it has to do with test scores, right? Okay, well, we really need our writing test scores to go up, you know, or whatever. Okay, well, great. That's something that I can work with teachers on. I'd love to be in their classrooms. These are things we've done before. But um, again, like Adam said, you, you, you got to be real careful about that. Uh, do not want to be seen as that sheriff. So I have, we've been together for, for an hour now, and I could spend the entire evening with you guys. Like, seriously, I'm having a blast talking to you. Um, but I'm going to have one more question, uh, and then um, I will let you guys um, go and do what it is that you do at this late hour for most of us and for Steve first thing in the morning. So <laughs> um, my question is, what makes an ed tech coach different from other types of educational coaches that we see? So well, I, th I think that's a great question and that's a really challenging question I, because I, I firmly believe that we, we should, even as tech coaches, we should be instructional coaches, you know, and like I said earlier, it's, it's about the teaching and learning. It's, it's never about the tools. It shouldn't be about the tools. Um, I'd say that what makes us different is we're really focusing on taking advantage of different aspects of technology in order to improve the teaching and learning. Whereas uh, a literacy coach might be focusing on writer's workshop or something like that. We're, we're really looking at being, I, I think, cutting edge um, and trying to use the technology to redefine the way teaching happens, to be able to do things that you couldn't do without the technology. And I think there's lots of great teaching, teaching strategies. There's lots of outstanding pedagogy that's been around for hundreds of years. But what can we do now that we couldn't have done without this device or without this app or without this site? How can we, how can we make the teaching and learning even better because of the tools that we now have? And it, it's important for us to stay on the cutting edge with these kind of strategies and these tools 
and um, and to go and learn and present at conferences and be in that be in that in the heart of that. Um, but I I think really it's it's about the opportunity to redefine education with the tools that we bring to the table. It's interesting because I, I think I would agree with that, but at the same time I, I would put it another perspective on it, which would be to say that in some ways, I think ed tech coaches are different, but in, at the same time, they're not in a sense that, well, I, okay, I, I guess ultimately they're different, but what makes them different is that I think we're in a position to think about the kind of pure notion of pedagogy and what we know is good pedagogy. And what we know makes, you know, what empowers learning and what kids need to learn and what teachers need to, to teach and these kinds of things. And we can actually try and implement it. Whereas so many other coaches might, a literacy coach or, you know, whatever, the math coach, something, they're always hamstrung by the fact that, you know, without the technology anyway, there were things that they knew, I wish we could do blank, but they didn't have a way to actually make it happen. There's so little today that you can't really do that you can imagine. If you can imagine it, you probably can do it. It may be ex insanely expensive, in which case you end up not doing it or, or whatever. But generally speaking, especially, you know, and, and this, you know, this is not true in every district, I know, but increasingly with the expansion of high quality broadband, with the expansion of high quality wireless you know, powerful computing devices at the fingertips of our kids. There's so much that we can do that we probably always, you know, so in, in some sense, like I totally agree with the redefining thing. Like I'm a big Ruben Puntadura fan. He and I are good buddies. And, you know, the whole notion of redefinition and, and doing things differently. But at the same time, I know having spent so much time with Ruben, oftentimes when someone asks him, like, how would you redefine this? He simply restates something that we always knew was the right thing to do. It's just we couldn't do it because we didn't have the tools to get it done, right? But now that we can, and sometimes it's simply like the, the power of computational computing can maybe do something repetitively quickly, where before you had kids just kind of like manually doing it and they could only get through two or three examples and it wasn't enough to cement an, a, a concept. And now you can do it like infinite numbers of times in two minutes because of the computers or something. Right, so it's different, but ultimately I think the thing to remember is that what we teach people to do or we're, what we're helping people to do isn't necessarily different. It's, you know, like I think if, if someone feels threatened, a teacher, it, like if you sense a teacher is feeling threatened because they think that you're trying to tell them to teach differently or, or to do something that they fundamentally would think, well, that's bad teaching practice. That's totally not the case, right? What we're actually trying to do is to bring people back to what we know is really good instructional practice. Um, and and it's, it's the, the reality is that sometimes when you're in a heterogeneous classroom with 30 kids and not enough you know, textbooks and all these other resource constraints, you end up losing your capacity to do what you know is right for kids because you're just trying to survive, right? And when you get the technology, you start to get back to a position where because the computers can sometimes, not that they're babysitting, but allow kids to work at different paces, focus on different things, but still empower the teacher to keep track of that, right? We're helping the teachers get back to 
to the pedagogy that they were taught when they were in school and knew like when they were really optimistic and young and getting into teaching, oh, I'm going to save the world. We can get them back to that because, you know, I saw that when we started laptop programming. I, I remember I had a teacher in my middle school when I was the IT director of our district of one of the big districts. And she had said at the beginning of MLTI, like, I don't need to learn this computer thing because I'm retiring at the end of this year. Right. And it was about March of that year. And she said to me, I saw her in the hall one day. She says, Hey, I want to let you know, I'm not retiring. This has completely re-energized my teaching. Right. And that was just one year, the very first year in a one-to-one program with, you know, at the time, this would have been like iBook G3s. They were pretty good, but they had iMovie, right? And they had AppleWorks. And between iMovie, AppleWorks, and basic internet connectivity, she was just, she was, you know, doing great stuff. And, and it was so invigorating to her because all of a sudden she could do the things I think she had always dreamt of for the last 30 years as a classroom teacher, right? So I, I think that's what makes us different. But at the same time, the, the fundamentalness of it is, right? It's not different. And I think that's really important for people to understand as you're, as you're talking to teachers so that you're not making them feel like, you know, I'm asking you to plow all new earth, throw out everything you knew about pedagogy for the last 30 years, because now we've got technology because that's totally not the case. Yeah. Um, I think what makes us different separate from uh, other coaches was a quote that we, uh, we put in our book that we borrowed from our, one of our good friends. He's the, he's uh, one of the head honchos out here in California Q, which is our ISTE affiliate. Um, his name is Joe Marquez, good friend of mine, and he he uh, has a great quote I've been using for years called, you know, as a tech coach, you, you're not changing how you re- how you teach students, you're changing how you reach them. Uh, I think we it's we we come with a skill set that is going to change how you reach to you're going to reach students on levels that other other coaches who don't have our skill set are, aren't really capable of doing yet, and it's our job to to reach the students and reach those teachers in a way that isn't been, ever been done before. I know you um, You were talking about um, redefinition. I heard you guys talking about that. And I think, uh, Jeff, you were talking about, yeah, you know, if you can imagine it, you can do it, but you don't have the, the tools yet. I'm totally thinking of Iron Man 2 when Tony Stark is watching the video that his dad left for him. It was almost that exact same speech, you know. I'm, I'm hampered by the tools of my time. But I know that, that you're, you're, that you're going to figure it out one day. And he invents the arc reactor, blah, 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 and the, the rest is history. Thanos is dead now. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, I, was thinking, uh, I was thinking, I was thinking about that the whole time. But yeah, like going back to that quote, man, we're, we're not here to change how you teach, but how you reach. And I think that that's an that's a motto that I've definitely tried to try to pattern myself um, out of. And um, as I as I'm in this in this role, and maybe one other thing that that I think that makes us different, we are cross curricular. What we do can be done across in, in any grade level, any uh, any subject. And a lot of what I'll, I'll see something I see in a math class, and I try to apply it in a in an ELA class. And you you, see, you get a lot of coaching wins when you see those those cross curricular applications. I think that's definitely something that makes uh, edtech coaches unique. And I think the reason that it's cross curricular, or the reason that because we're cross curricular, we do focus on the pedagogy. Like I know both uh, Steve and Jeff uh, alluded to, it, it, we see the how, not the what. As a teacher, I walk into high school classrooms, you know, high school math classrooms. I don't remember that high school math. I don't know how to teach that lesson, like as far as the content, but I'm focused on the how. And so um, 
I think that because that is our focus, because there's so many different content areas and grade levels that we're teaching, you know, we don't have all the standards memorized for every single teacher that uh, we're working with. Um, I think that that makes us different. Um, but kind of to kind of stole what I was going to say a little bit, Adam, but but um, but I wanted to, to uh, connect it to something that Jeff said, too. So um, agreed that we want to reach use technology to reach students. Um, and I feel like we're the bridge. And so I feel like the um, we know a lot of the stuff that the, the kids are doing, the, the technology kids are using today, right? We know about TikTok. You know, I have a TikTok account. I don't use it much. I know you're starting to, Adam. Like, we're interested in all this stuff. We're interested in AI. We're interested in, like, you know, I was telling Adam, like, oh, what if we could get some holograms? You know, as Jeff was talking about, like, uh, you know, get some hologram uh, interviews for people that the, the kids interview. Like, all these things that we, we think of these things that the kids are immersed in as well, because they're future forward thinking, right? And so that doesn't mean that, like Jeff said, there's a teacher that knows good pedagogy and knows the right way and doesn't know how to do it. And so, for example, I was in a first grade classroom and this teacher was like, man, I just can't get these kids just don't want to write. They don't want to write. Okay. So very simple. I set up, you know, in Google classroom, a di basic digital discussion board. These kids are barely writing a sentence and they were so thrilled. They felt like they were texting because that's from their world. And so I aligned something that the teacher knew these kids, I got to get them writing. I got to get them writing every day. They don't want to write. And then something that's in their world, with technology and so that's how we were able to kind of be that bridge so i feel like ed tech coaches are a bridge i like that ed tech coaches are a bridge i think we should just coin that quote and we'll just all we'll just make t-shirts how's that make t-shirts <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. You guys have been phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to have you guys come back one-on-one -on -one episodes. And then if you guys want to do more panels, you are always welcome. Just reach out to me. If you have an idea, reach out to me. So um, thank you so much. Um, and I appreciate you guys spending your evening with me. Thank you for taking time to listen to the A Plus Ed Tech Coaching Podcast. If you have an idea for an episode or if you'd like to just chat about Ed Tech Coaching, please visit my website, edtechcoachingprimer.com. And if you go to the podcast page, then you will be able to fill out a form and let me know that you're interested in being on the show.